We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I forgot the Warriors are going to Japan. Oh, it's not, I mean, I don't think we're going to get the excuses like in 2018 with the China trip. But, uh, but you know, they're going and then they're coming back and they're doing uh, a few weeks of camp here. But, dude, season's very close. Like, we're getting excited about NFL starting this weekend and the Warriors start like two weeks after that. Uh, this is the best time. Uh, this is the, the – we needed this. I felt like you and I – the thing about you and I, Sam, is that we haven't actually taken a vacation. Well, you specifically haven't taken a vacation. We've been <laughs> grinding it out with the Light Years goons. So before hey, before we really get this going, appreciate everyone listening. Uh, subscribe if you don't. Uh, rate five stars if you don't. Uh, comment if you don't. Right, all that all that good stuff. We appreciate the support. It's gonna be another sick year. We've got some fun shit. Uh, Sam and I have put together. Um, that we'll be announcing in the next couple of weeks. I think we're going to get a live event at some point here in the next few months, right, Samuel? So, uh, dude, it's going to be a great season. It was a great season last season. It's going to be even better this season. So, appreciate it. It is. So I feel like we have only two things to really talk about today. One, we just finished a rewatch of what I would define as the greatest game <laughs> of the Steph Curry, Steph Curry era um, on playback. You guys should join us. We're going to do rewatches every Wednesday from here until, well, until we get real games. Let's be honest. Um, uh, we rewatched OKC 2016 game six, the Clay Thompson game. Um, we'll get into that in a second. But we also have some news items about the Warrior Camp invites. Okay. Uh, we'll also be talking about that tonight. So th- those are really the two news items if you're listening to this pod. Um, but let's start with the rewatch and let's get to the news a little later. How do you feel about that? Yep. It's rock. Okay. So rewatching 2016 game six against OKC. I have a lot of thoughts on that one, but my overwhelming thought is this is my favorite game of the Warriors era for a variety of reasons. It gets Clay gets all the credit for it. And he deserves every piece of credit he gets, but 
Going back and rewatching it, Steph and Clay combined for 72 points. The team scored 108. They took 32 three-pointers. OKC as a team only took 23. This game was the epitome of they're bigger, they're stronger, they're faster than us, but we got the two greatest shooters of all time. And if we keep working, those guys will eventually make enough shots. I mean, I think this game really was the turning point of basketball history because it was like, OKC should have won this game. They were the better team. Uh, but the Warriors are the two best shooters on the floor. And it's one of those things where it's like they, they may be better at rebounding. They may be longer. They may have a bunch of skill sets. But the number one skill set, which matters, shooting, they do not have. And that, that is the best way to. Describe I mean, I don't, I don't, what I, we I, just watched. It I don't know really how else. To, I don't know how else to put it. It's like there, there seems to be this idea that all around means all skill sets are equal, and I kind of feel like the skill set, which is defined by putting the ball in the hoop, is the most important one. And this game really was just about the fact that Steph and Clay are two of the most special shot makers of all time. Of all time. Of all time. And uh, you hit it right on the head. Anytime I feel that someone says, oh, this guy's a better all-around player. He might, Steph might be better. Clay might be better. But this guy here, he's a better all-around player. What that tells me is, that guy's not better. <laughs> what that tells me is, that guy is not better at the what most that tells important me, thing. Yeah. What that tells me is, that guy's a better athlete. When, when, people, <laughs> when people say he's a better all-around player, what they're coded saying is i can't make a coherent case for him being better i just think he just looks the part more so yeah this guy can dunk this guy maybe can get to the rim faster he might have a quicker uh shuttle time (laughs) right he might run suicides i I don't know elite three cone yeah right right kyle shanahan probably love this guy but at the end of the day what is most important, as you said, is putting the bucket, putting the ball in the bucket, and Stephen Clay does it better than anyone in history. And we saw that tonight. Again, we've seen this many times throughout the years. And I think also the other thing that was overarching to me is that uh, this revolutionized the three over two. Um, three over three has always been higher than two, Sam. I'm not a math guy. Three's always been higher than two. But watching that game really reinforced the notion to the rest of the NBA. I think a lot of the GMs, the play, the coaches, the teams, they really looked at it and they just said, dude, OKC is better at all these things. They are not a better basketball team because they do not shoot the three like the Warriors do. And I, I still think, too, a lot of these basketball teams try to follow that and they can't. They can't do it because they don't have the two guys that the Warriors have. So it's not like it's not like the Warriors unlock this secret that now every single championship basketball team does, right? No, at the end of the day, you still need to play great defense, which the Warriors do. You still need to do all these things, but the Warriors have this cheat code. They they have this thing that no other team in the history has ever had, and it's just those two guys bombing threes. It's just but it, bombing doesn't threes. It, doesn't even speak to, like, what kind of defense you need to play, too. Right. Which the like, Warriors do better than um, anyone else. Okay, so, I mean, the Warriors... I maybe counted three layups. Like the, anytime they drove inside, it was like Ibaka, KD, Adams, block, block. It, you know, like they couldn't do anything going inside. And typically with NBA defense, that's like, that's the way you win. And 
at every level of basketball, like if you protect the rim, you're you're in pretty good shape to at least get off to a win. But the thing that was just so wild about watching this is like, yeah, if you just they took they took twice as many threes. They took 45 threes. Jesus. OKC only took 23. Um, five years later, like people joke about how it's like, oh, it's a math problem. But like this game was kind of the game that opened people up to this idea that like the average basketball fan in 2016 would be like, well, Kevin Durant's the best player on the court. And I get it. And he might've been, he, I'm not even saying he's not, but at a certain point, if he's taking 18, if he's taking contested 15, 18 footers and you, and you got clay and Steph taking three pointers, like, man, it's not working out in your favor. You know, you you may get one game, but like you play that best of seven, they will get more games than you. You know, and that's kind of like you said. That's this what game, happened? Literally, what happened? <laughs> that's that's kind of what that's kind of what teams started realizing after the series, which was the overarching point that like you talent matters, but shot profile also matters. If you're not taking the right shots or defensively. And I think this is really where OKC screwed up. If you're not taking away the right shots, like OKC wins this game. If they do a better job of guarding Claire Steph, like it's really that simple. If they just, if they just force one of them to drive the ball more, it's a win, but they weren't equipped to defend the three point line any better. And, and, and part of it's just because like at that, at that point, like, I don't think, teams were really equipped for the idea that like someone would take 18 three-point shots no. which they did or 14 no. which Steph did you know yeah. so it's like it's just the whole thing it really is kind of the most important game of basketball history of the last like I don't know decade plus you know LeBron's gonna run 15 Disney specials about the 16 finals but the 16 <laughs> Western Conference finals really did more to define the <laughs> direction of the sport than anything it really did like i don't know what else to say you you watch basketball now everyone's getting up 43s and everything's defined about running guys off of the line and into help that's like and that's you watch this it's kind of wild yeah and uh and that's besides the fact that kd ended up joining the warriors after this and and put put the put the league in a chokehold for for about three plus years right um so Man, this was one of the most special things that we're ever going to see. Uh, also, I think there's a couple. There's a lot of things I want to go down the list on. Uh, I'm not going to talk about players yet. The other thing I, I, I bring up every podcast on these rewatches is the heart of this team. Um, they're down five five minutes. Actually, they're down eight with like six minutes. Uh, they're still losing with three minutes to go. They're they're down thirteen uh, uh, late in the second quarter, and you're watching them get overwhelmed the way that they were in games three and games four down 3-1 and you see them fight back and that was a great OKC crowd Sam that was that was one of the best crowds that we've seen as Warriors fans during this dynasty and the Warriors just kept fighting kept fighting kept fighting and uh you don't see that I think consistently across the NBA what do we think happens in this situation with James Harden what do we think happens in this situation with Chris Paul <laughs> like even with Kevin Durant I mean Kyrie we know it's going to happen with Kevin Durant, we've seen him now in other teams and, and no obviously comment. at OKC. What's going to happen with Kyrie? <laughs> Does Kyrie know what's going to happen with Kyrie? Uh, and, you know, like all of these guys. 
And so it's still so cool to see the amount of just corny, all the corny phrases, right? It's the grit, the perseverance, all of that stuff. It's, I, I never will understand the people that all, that criticize and said that don't say that the Warriors are the toughest team in the NBA. They are the toughest team in the NBA. They are mentally. I mean, they are the toughest team. Physically, they are the toughest team in the NBA. It's not. Close. I mean, I mean, you know why? <laughs> and, and we're not going to get into it, but it's it's uh it's part of the reason why the NBA is annoying because it's we we we're supposed to pretend what we see with our eyes is not the truth. So. You know. I'm, lo- I'm looking at Russ, the most athletic guy on the floor. He actually played a pretty good game here. But you watch he him did. melt down the last couple games of the series, and you're like, that guy's the toughest guy? No. You're watching Steph get steal after steal, get to the bucket, make a couple th- – like, you're watching Steph, and you're like, yeah, that guy's – Clay, actually, that's the toughest guy. He dragged the Warriors across. Steph and Clay together, dra- you're, you're telling me those guys aren't the toughest guys on the floor? KD vanished down the stretch. And uh, it just it just irks me to this day, and it was cool. It was cool to see it again. It was. These rewatches have been a blast. I hope you guys can join us next Wednesday. We're gonna do one next Wednesday, at 8 p.m. We have not decided what game, but we'll get mm. there. And in fact, we might take callers later in the show to discuss what game we should do next. Ooh. You guys are welcome to call in and speak to anything you want. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's get to the second item. Camp, two and change weeks away. Uh, Friend of the show, Tony Slates, with some Mm. names who have been invited. So, it's worth noting the Warriors are going to probably enter camp with two to three open roster spots. And by open, I mean just like non-guarantees fighting for spots to give themselves a little more flexibility. I thought they were going to do it last year, but GP2 played so well, they they kind of had to give them a spot. Um, this year, it's going to be a little more. Like we know they've, we know Mac McClung has a shot at making the team. Um, and you know, you got, you got like Quindary on a two way and they got a few players. So there's, there's a little back end of the roster flexibility for this team. Sure. Uh, and I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. Um, last year, everything just clicked perfectly in a more normal year. You know, you're kind of playing with that last roster spot and like, maybe you sign a buyout guy because you're like, eh we could use another big or something like that, right? Like, you know, that's kind of the way it usually goes. So 
the names he threw out who are Warrior Camp invites are Ben McLevore, Alfred Payton, oh God. Rondé, Hollis Jefferson, Kenneth Fareed. We oh also God. have um, Tyshawn Alexander, Wesley Saunders, uh, John Axel Gundelson. But I don't think most of our listeners. I don't, even, I don't even know. I don't even know who the fuck those guys are. So keep them moving. And, uh, you know, whatever. We we also know. <laughs> we also know. Just just to be clear, like Mac McClung has a contract, but none of it's guaranteed. He's essentially a camp invite. Travion Williams, the big man who looked really good in summer league for the Celtics, also a camp invite. They they got some bodies there. I think what's interesting to me is it's a variety of positions. Like it doesn't. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't feel like, uh, you know, like, do they want a ball handler? Do they want another wing? Do they want a center? Like, I don't know. Like, they, they got options across the board. Um. All right. So I'm going to give you my thoughts on the guys. Uh, you bring up an interesting point. They're not going for a specific thing. I think they're open to different uh, positives and benefits each of these guys bring. Uh, I'm going to quickly cross off an Alfred Payton. I, I think just he's never been good at basketball, so I don't really see the point here of Alfred Payton. Uh, I guess he's a ball handler. Just bring back Chris Gielsa. Um So I, I don't see that. The guy I'm really interested. You're, in, you don't think you don't think Steve's the Alfred Payton guy? Uh, he might be. He might be. Uh, but it just what does he do on the court? Like, he provides. He zero. handles. He he handles the ball. Uh, he misses shots and <laughs> and he kind of gets into it at the point of attack defensively. I mean, he's he's not a bad defender. Um. Uh, I, that's that's the thing, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm being I'm being I'm being a little facetious. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not I'm not a big Alfred Payton guy either. So, uh, which is you know I don't even have anything against him. I just don't think he's a, he's a good fit. Ben McLemore is an interesting name. Uh, he's recently been in the league. He's had some ups and downs, but he had he played a lot. And uh, he's that three and D ish guy. My thing is though, Sam, is that with McLemore, uh, don't you already have Dante DiVincenzo? Don't you already have Jordan Poole? Andrew Wiggins, the guard guys, most, and then lastly Moses Moody, right? Like, don't you already have four names, five guys that can play those minutes? What would be the point of Macklemore? So that one doesn't interest me as much. The guy I'm really most interested in is Rondé Hollis Jefferson, uh, because the last time he was in the league, and this was a few years back, is that he's always been a very good defender. Um, he's got some ball handling chops, like he's not it's an Andre Godal out there, but he can handle it a little bit. He can pass it a little bit. Um, and he could defend. So I just, I just think, like he's a, he's an awful shooter. I don't think they're going to get him to become a good shooter. But I think just in terms of a guy that fits the Warriors and need, they need a small ball four ish type of guy, a versatility wing four type of guy, right? We don't know what we're getting with Jermichael Green. We don't know what we're getting with Kaminga. So I, I think a veteran like, actually, I don't know if he's a good locker room guy. I just assume maybe he is. But just someone like him is interesting to me. That's the name I have that pops to me, Sam. He's just so on brand for you to be a Rondé Hollis Jefferson guy. Like he's just he he's the epitome of a winning role player who can't shoot, which is like the Andy Lou calling card. It's my favorite. Uh, uh, you you brought up Andre, so I kind of want to pivot and then we'll go back to this. Um, we still don't know if Andre's coming back. Um, the Warriors are giving him a lot of space. I kind of thought he was going to give a decision by now. You know what I'm saying? Like I I kind of did. But I'm honestly okay with it. Like, I don't know how you feel about this, but I, I kind of feel like if they can get Andre back, it's, it's big for them in general. Um, 
And if not, they can just play with the roster spot a little bit. What do you What do you think happens though? What What, is, what, is, what does Sam sources say? Sam sources thinks Andre's back. Wow. Um. Wow. I just feel like he would have retired. He's going to retire already. I'm not sourced on this, guys. I'm I'm messing around. <laughs> like you're asking me my gut feeling. I think he's going to come back. Um, that's that's what I think. I, I have a very hard time with the idea that he waited until September. What are we at? Seventh, eighth. You guys are listening to this on the eighth. He's going to retire on September. T- if he's going to retire, he would have done it earlier. I think he's I think he's coming back for another year. I think he's I think he's just milking it because he's he he understands his job is going to be to babysit Jonathan Kaminka. I um <laughs> I think so too. I think that is his job. I think they'll pay him a lot of money to do that. Babysit Kaminka, but also you know kind of learn from him. I, I think it's interesting because you know Andre could technically come back whenever he wants. He can come back game one of the the NBA season. But the value of Andre Godala is not what he can bring on the court, right? Like you just said, the value of Andre Godala is him helping guys like Kaminga, Wiseman, and Moody uh, yeah, he's, uh, become he, better he's players. He's investment in your draft picks. Like he's he's it's it's doubling down. Is he's a what, what is it a uh, a client success specialist or <laughs> <laughs> he's a customer success manager? <laughs> I you know he but if you know if he if that's his job though they need him to make his decision quick because. And by quick, I mean by training camp, because isn't that the point of his role then? Like you, you don't want Andre to come back game one, a week before game one of the regular season. A lot of the work that has to be done in getting these guys up to speed like Kaminga is, is now, is now, is in training camp. When you're working together, they're, they're already playing together. They're already being coached in the offseason. But I think part of that is, is what he can do in training camp with those guys, right? So it would be nice. To see if he could decide before then, I actually don't know. My gut tells me that he, you know, I wouldn't surprise me if he did retire. I think I, I don't, I, I, for him to take this long does feel like to me he's trying to figure out, dude, is this actually worth it? I don't think he's doing this just for fun. Like he's just not, like, like making the world. Yeah, right? yeah. I, I think mean, he's I mean, really concerned about whether he can go through doing this again. I, I, and I don't know what that means. Does that mean maybe he's not physically ready? Does that mean he just want to, doesn't want to travel? Like it's just a lot of travel in basketball. Like, does he not? Does he just want to not be away from family? Just, you know what I mean? So it, it's all that stuff. I think. But then the uh, other all, thing all I think gonna, about too. All I'm gonna yeah. say is like you know, um, it's been very hot in the Bay Area, and my first take is, wow, this feels really good on my joints, and and makes me feel like a very old man. And all I can say is I can empathize with Andre, who has a much more strenuous job than me. Um, you know. It's it's hard. It's physically hard on your body. That was the worst. That was the worst <laughs> loop around to the Bay Area heat weave I could possibly make. I was trying really hard there, but I'm not at that level. Sorry. Um, no, you're you're right. You're right. I, I just to be clear, I wanted to say I I agree with you. I don't think this is like some performative like mess around with yeah. anyone. Things. I think this is more of like a, I'm unsure of my decision and. I well, want to come back, but like, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that go into playing in the NBA beyond like wanting to and just like, yeah right. and telling and like you know being the guy who's going to yell at Kaminka. Like, there's more to it than that. He's got you got to want to do that too. It reminds me a little bit of Alex Mack, who took forever to decide that he's going to retire, and always felt like 
Uh, it always felt like he's coming back. It's like, oh, he's going to take this long. He's going to he's going to decide after the draft. The Niners didn't end up getting a center, right? And, and now the Niners are screwed on the O line because they just don't give a fuck about the O line. Um, and, and so it feels they will like be to- fine on the like. <laughs> I, I'm, we're going to argue about the offensive line later, but I'm they have one good offensive lineman. The rest of the four are terrible. Uh, yeah, be, be, be <laughs> all, yeah, be all time. So it's like three. <laughs> he's got to do like four things. Can Trent Williams snap the ball? And then go quickly to to the left side and, and protect Trey's blind side. Can he do that? Correct. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I think the case with Alex Mack, you read about it, and it's like, well, he just he just knew that his body couldn't handle anymore. Football's different from basketball, but Andre could barely stay on the court uh, last season. He really tried. Remember in the postseason, he he didn't want to get benched. He wanted to play. Uh, one, he wasn't good enough, and then two, he wasn't healthy enough to play. Right. So. Um, does Andre, when he comes back, is he kind of willing to be in the role where he understands? Is he willing to be Udonis Haslam? Kind of just like a mascot guy. He's not going to play that much. I don't think he wants to be that guy. So Bro, I think he that's might, part of he the might, equation. He might email us and slap you if you call him a mascot guy. <laughs> Udonis fair, is a mascot fair, guy. And, Andre and it's, is not. It's fair. Like UD's, UD's last like relevant basketball was like fouling uh, – <laughs> Oh, was it, who's that? It, yeah, it was. It was like hard foul. Duncan, on, maybe Duncan in the on, NBA Finals, um, maybe. No, it was the 2015 or 16 playoffs. Okay. The uh, uh, Mavs. Was it the Mavs? Am I forgetting? Oh, you gotta go to the Eastern Conference. Uh, it might have been. It might have been just like trying to uh, foul uh, Paul who's George. On the Rap- who's on the Raptors? Demar Derozan. No, no, it's like Jonas Valanciunas or something. Oh my god. <laughs> When was it last time Haslam played? That's such a good question. I, I can't remember. I honestly thought he was out the league three years ago. I just, I just. Oh man. And anyway, I so culture's, I culture is priceless. He, the funny thing is, he buys into it himself. He's like so serious in his, uh, in his, in his post about coming back and playing his 20 season with Miami. One of the things he's saying is like, we're really excited to keep this culture going. And I'm just like, wow, you guys really eat your own. Eat your own shit. Is that what the phrase is? You guys really eat your own shit? I don't know what it is, but they really eat it up. They, <laughs> the Warriors are pretty I bad do. with it. They're pretty insufferable with that stuff, but the Miami Heat, man. It's just... the, the Heat culture is next level. I, I, I appreciate it on on some level, even if it is a little insufferable, but it's <laughs> it's hilarious. Um, also, a uh, friend of the show, TK, pointed it out. Until Udonis Haslam retires, Steph can't be the oldest tendered player in the NBA. <laughs> and that's the funniest thing ever. Because like I always want to be like, Steph is the longest tenured player with one team. And then you're like, nope, Udonis Haslam exists. And I'm sitting here, I'm just like, it can't be real. I, he's played like, he hasn't played in five years. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's on hey. the roster, but like, let's be honest here. I, I, by the way, you bring up Steph. I, it just hit me that that I didn't bring this up earlier, but it was a uh, one of the most underrated performances by Steph in that Game Six against OKC. We just forget about it because Clay, obviously, but Steph was phenomenal. He carried that team in the third quarter and closed them out end of the fourth. I mean, that was special, special stuff. Udonis uh, Haslam. Yeah. Sorry, Udonis Haslam played 83 minutes last year. <laughs> Wait, that's a the, lot. He played 83. The, the year prior, he played three minutes. And there we go. The year prior, he played 44 minutes. <laughs> the year prior, he played 74 minutes. The year prior, he played 72 minutes. He hasn't topped 100 minutes since 2016. <laughs> in five 100, seasons. 100 minutes in an NBA season. 
this dude, this dude in five seasons has racked up Andrew Wiggins like week. 272 minutes in five seasons. Like just phenomenal finessing. Oh my God. Just steal. What is he? Vet men? So he gets two plus million dollars a year to just, oh man. That's two incredible. Plus, two plus mil to practice hard and twice a year threaten to beat up Jimmy Butler. That's his job. That's, that's his, like, to be fair, you can't do that. Like, I don't think you have the credibility to, like, get in Jimmy's face like that. So, um, do you think that, do you think that other players, like, let's say Tyler Hero, Tyler Hero seems like a, a good example for this. Um, you think Tyler Hero, when he first made the NBA and, and just a couple seasons in and he's practicing and Udonis Haslam is just super serious and he's getting everyone pumped up and he's slapping people around and Tyler Hero is just sitting there like, dude, who the fuck is this guy, man? <laughs> he's sitting there is that, like, what is that is coach? This? Is this a coach? <laughs> Because I can see Jordan Poole doing the same thing, <laughs> and Tyler Hero is kind of you know the same cut from the same cloth as Jordan Poole. I just get to see it where it's like, dude, is this guy really telling me what to do right now? What are we What are we doing here? Uh, anyway, shout out Udonis Haslam, longest tenured player in the NBA on one team. I feel like I feel like we're getting in trouble for saying this. Someone's gonna, someone's going to reach out to us and say we're we're off base, and UD wants to fight us or something like that. <laughs> it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the first time. Hey, to bring to bring it back to the Warriors, one of the things, one of the funniest storylines in the postseason was uh, Udonis Haslam acting like Draymond saying he thinks the Celtics are going to win. Oh, he broke the code. <laughs> There's just so much code breaking. The Warriors are always breaking the code. <laughs> it's like it's like well, Shaq forced Draymond to pick, which was which was funny, um, and then Udonis Haslam gets mad about it. Uh, telling him about he, he, now we're motivated. It's like, dude, you're, you've been on the bench for five seasons. What are you talking about? And then they lost Game Seven. <laughs> they lost Game Seven, so they didn't even win. Anyway, I just broke the code. What broke the code? Oh, this uh, we've reached the we've reached the clown Udonis has in portion <laughs> of the offseason. Um, say so. Okay, we didn't talk one player in the uh, potential camp invites we didn't talk about mm. was uh, Kenneth Fareed. Probably the uh, the most famous player. Yes. Um, so it's been a few years. He hasn't been in the NBA. Last time Fareed was in the NBA was um, pre-COVID. And then when COVID happened, uh, he went, he played in China. Uh, he played in Russia. Going to be honest with you guys, did not watch a lot of his play in Russia, personally. I uh, can't speak for Andy. But but I personally did not watch those games. But anyways, he's back. Um, we've got some some Rico Hines runs clip, which make me think he's like, you know, Blake Griffin in his prime, just throwing it up on everyone. Um, let's assume – let's let's be honest about this. Let's assume you get kind of the version of uh, Kenneth Fareed who uh, was in the NBA before he left. Is that player good enough to be on that, the Warriors roster, Andy? I, I, I never understood the, the value of Kenneth Freed. I mean, I, off the bench, energy big, right? That's, that's Kenneth Freed. I mean, Freed. He, he rebounds really well, and he finishes well. Like, yeah, he, quintessential energy big off the bench, right? Yeah, and, and he's undersized. Uh, but, but he's also not – you know, I, I can see the – you know, they're, they're always looking for that type of big. Um, I, I know David West wasn't like the energy big, but he was a solid big off the bench. You had Mo Spates, who we just watched, right? 
Um, and then last year, you've, I mean, essentially that guy was Bielitsa. Uh, so, so maybe they're looking at someone like that who can, who can, although free can't really shoot. So I, I don't really understand uh, that one. I, I also, like you said, haven't seen him play in a while. I thought, I think if he was a better defender, but free's never been a defender. Um, so, but I, I could see the, I could see the value in adding a big at the back end of the bench, um, just because, um, you know, they, okay, so, so Otto Porter and Bielitz are gone. You get mm-hmm. your Michael. That's one. They don't really have anyone else to, you know, just uh, provide backup minutes. And I'm not, I'm not even talking about big minutes. It's like, you know, and so, you know, they got Looney. They got Draymond. Those are obviously proven playoff players. You got your Michael. Uh, hopefully he's going to come back and play a little better than he did last year. Uh, and then it's a lot of pressure on Wiseman, right? It's a, it's a lot about Wiseman filling that role for that team. So I get to the value in, in someone like Fareed um, as deep bench, as someone you're hoping can just like 25 to 40 games a year provide you 15 minutes. Like, you know what I'm talking so. about? Like, like that I, I, sort of I'm thing. I'm with you. I, I, I think so. Um, I also think that's that, that it's, it's to me, he's not really a big two, right? He's kind of more like a four. Uh, he, sure. So like he, he's not rim protecting or anything like that. So, um, I, but what I, about, I'm, what about like belly and auto? That's fair. That's fair. Bielitsa was not a great defense. I think Otto was a lot, a lot better defensive player than you and I thought, sure. or at least I thought, <laughs> just a lot better defensively. Uh, but Belly, yeah, I mean, but, so so are we? I mean, one thing is they are relying on Wiseman um, to fill that role internally. Is this kind of like part of hey, let's let's maybe try to soften the landing a little bit uh, with that because he is going to play. I assume he is going to play. They've got your Michael Green back there too. I think it's interesting. Um, but he's just someone that I haven't seen playing so long. But of of the guys that have had successful careers, he's the guy that actually has been a consistently good basketball player in his career. All the other guys are kind of they've always been fringe players, right? All the the, the other guys. This guy is a legitimate NBA player, and he's not. It's not like he's thirty eight years old. I, I'm yeah, curious. Like, you're right. He's thirty two. Like I'm cu- uh, curious why he was out the league so quick. Um, so maybe they go unearth another guy like that. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious. Like, if you were to ask me, I think they need to add another big just for, for rotation minutes. And, and maybe it is a two-way. Maybe it is, like, Travion Williams, uh, the guy who played well for the Celtics, as, like, a like like the big version of Chioza, where he's, like, a two-way guy who just buys you minutes. Um, maybe that's what they need to do. But, like, when I look at their roster, I'm just like, they need kind of another front court guy because Looney – I mean, he had an amazing season, but you can't assume he's going to play that many games. Draymond, we want to limit his games. Jermichael Green's probably going to be valuable for them, but he's older. And then there's Wiseman. And so I, I just kind of feel like they need, at minimum, so a, a minutes eater to, to see what goes on there. Yeah, I think minutes eater big. Uh, agree with you on that. I, I was in on that last year. I think just from an upside perspective, because I don't think they'll go minutes eater. I, I don't think they want to do a low floor. Because to say, look at the way they did last season. They were not going to use that uh, the uh, roster spot unless they had a, a guy that actually popped and had high, up, high upside, which ended up being GP two. Who would have seen that come? And the guy was 
the guy was a, a top seven, eight rotation player of a championship team. Like you don't, that, that stuff you can't really replicate year in, year out, right? But that's an upside guy that you put on a roster spot. I, I just think of these guys that I think about has the, as a big upside where which one of these guys might end up being a t- in a top eight of a rotation, playoff rotation? I would say probably Hollis Jefferson. Like, is the guy that has that upside on the Warriors? Right? I just, okay. I, I, okay. That, I, I think it feels like that would be. I can see what you're saying there. I can see what you're saying. I, I, I still think it's more of a big, big, but I can, I can see the point. I they're going to need, I mean, they're going to need the most likely. Yeah. He's definitely the most likely to be a switchable wing defender for them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're going to need Wiseman to be – I'm not even – we're not asking for good. It's just they're going to have to have Wiseman be able to stay on the floor. Uh, you asked Looney to play 82 games again? Man, I'm telling you, not smart. Right? And then Draymond, who knows how healthy he's going to be this season, although I think the long offseason is actually going to be a good thing for him. He was playing in, in Tokyo or wherever he was playing last season, probably wore him down. So I think the long offseason is going to be good for Draymond. But outside of that, I mean, you're right. Jermichael Green could probably do the auto porter. He could probably fake being a five uh, for, for stretch of minutes. But auto doing that, he was hurt a lot too. So. Um, yeah, I, I think you're right. They need someone who can who can squeeze those big minutes. And uh, I, I kind of like Darren Baines. I still do, but he got signed. Um, so we'll see. See what they end up. We'll see what they end up doing. I do hope they use that. Uh, oh, oh, another guy we didn't mention actually uh, is Witherspoon. That, that's another guy that is a two way player, but could be someone that they end up selecting as as the 14th or 15th roster spot, depending if Andre comes back, right? So I think that's another guy that I'd rather have. Like, when you talk about, like, Mac McClung or whoever, like, Weatherspoon's another guy that I'd rather have on the team. Classic. Good defense, screen setter, cutter, can't really shoot. Um, doesn't turn the ball over, right? Like, that's classic Warriors player. I would like to see him uh, maybe steal a roster spot. Um yeah, I mean, I, I totally get what they're doing with him, though, because they control him. And as long as he's like, it sucks for him that he's on two way, but it gives them flexibility. So yeah. is what it is. All right, we're going to end it here. We'll be back next week. We're getting very close. The closer we get to Camp Andy, lock in. Yeah, let's let everyone go. And you know what? Enjoy your opening NFL weekend, guys. And make sure to sign up for our Run Your Pool, Survivor Pool. All right, guys. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.